As an author, cultural practitioner, and media arts specialist, my field of view focuses on the probability that all global citizens metaphorically are repositories and conduits of codification because they collect and restate their way of life. This assertion is the predicate of the quincentennial question, culture, is it codified? During the discourse, the answer becomes a compendium of this conversation, especially when it is verbalized in context and viewed through an abstract philosophical lens. In a clear and detailed way, without reservation, this way of life seems to verbalize from my field of view with reference to the past. It appears that all global citizens, regardless of our cultural differences, we have a culture which is ostensive contingent on the fact that codification often happens due to new inventions, changes in values, or other cultural influences. And therefore, given the relevance of this topic, as a cultural practitioner, I have analyzed the influence of codification in our societies and also investigated whether codification is existing in culture. In this space, evidently, the ensuing theoretical abstract has candor, and it draws our attention to the fact that when the British realized that the administration in India was difficult because of the non-existence of any certain law, they finally took the bold step of codifying the personal laws as well. What was most thought-provoking regarding codification on several fronts? A. The tenacity of global citizens who conceive the legal system of codification in order to navigate any existential threats, especially the evolving unpredictability of change. B. Besides religious laws, such as the Torah, are important codifications, which were developed in the ancient Roman Empire. C. The same are also intertwined with the complications of the Lex Duo de Shem Tabularum, and much later the Corpus Juris Civilis, and the, these codified laws were the exceptions rather than the rule. However, as during much of ancient times, Roman laws were left mostly uncodified. Codification impacts every cultural space, regardless of our cultural differences, and presumably there seems to be a dichotomy 
existing between culture and codification. For instance, stores carry the common methods of codification. These include alphabetical codification, numerical codification, memnonic codification, combined alphabetical and numerical codification, decimal codification, British codification, Kodak codification, and color codification. The philosophizing and the construction is the conversation is used to draw or focus attention on this topic codification since it has and still is impacting all cultures of every generation. Susan Matthew makes a valid observation. Matthew is advocating that in the absence of a codified culture invariably may lead to a bad outcome as the employees will bring in their own cultural baggage inculcated in them from the companies that they work for. An analysis of Matthew's assertion revealed that this narrative characterizes culture as the collective personality of an organization and therefore it is not only who you are but who you aspire to be and how codification is applied and interpreted. I believe culture is the collective personality of an organization and it's not only who you are but who you aspire to be a view espoused by Susan Matthew. What is also a very stark reality existing that codification is in our societies. For example, the degree for which the objectives of rationalization and unification of law are accomplished operating in every global cultural space. There's also this notion how global citizens conceive the legal system of codification since they have to navigate the existential threats in the evolving unpredictability of change. Codification is very pervasive to the extent that every thought the author of this action or process may be forgotten, yet their presence is still felt. For example, the canon law. In the late 11th century, Roman law was rediscovered and made the subject matter of learned study and teaching by scholars in northern Italy, especially at Bologna. Depending on global citizens' intellect, codification can be wittingly and unwittingly be perceived as a hegemonic system. What is critically important about all global citizens, at some point they will be misrepresented or misinterpreted. Hence, to move from informal to formal institutions is a slow process, and given the fact that although formal rules may change overnight due to political or judicial decisions, informal constraints embodied in customs are much more impervious to deliberate policies. Since all of the above occupy space in the arena of information, then it is for all of the above reasonings highlighted in this text 
that I am well informed of the fact that these cultural constraints not only connect the past with the present and the future, but provide us with a key to explaining the path of historical change, especially when it comes to codification. Codification is not antithetical to culture, but a construct that creates space to proper global citizens traversing any path for generations that take hold of a proxy path which would be difficult and hence there would be a high price for changing the path may forget to give due importance to the existing social institutions which would have made their rule easy. However, juxtaposing all of the above mentioned data, interpretations, opinions, positions and views held in law, codification is the process of collecting and restating the law of a jurisdiction in certain areas, usually by subject forming a legal code, that is a codex of law. Codification in this context is the defining feature of civil law jurisdictions. Therefore, we must also be cognizant of these facts, since to codify is to arrange information in a logical order that others can follow, not to mention the fact that legislators may try to codify or gather and organize all laws related to a particular issue. It appears that the primary purpose of initiators of codification was not so much to create new laws, but to restate existing laws, subject to choice, when revolutionary enactments varied from previous ones and when previous laws differed from one another. They were ready to adopt any rules that seemed best suited to the French people on the basis of experience. They recognized that laws could not be inflexible but must be adapted to the character, the habits, and the situation of the people for whom they are drafted. One advantage, though, as it relates to a codified constitution is the clarity of its meaning as it sets out the laws, rules, and principles on how a state is to be governed. Therefore, everyone who belongs to the constitution is fully aware of its meanings and obligations, and all global citizens, regardless of our cultural differences, have a culture practice codifying and whether we plan it or not, feeds into the narrative of traditions. Hence, we are all complicit because we are practitioners of codification. In this space, traditions represent a critical piece of our culture. They help form the structure and foundation of our families and our society. They remind us that we are part of a history that define our past, shape who we are today, and who we are likely to become. In this compendium, once we ignore the meaning of our traditions, we are in danger of damaging the underpinning of our identity. 
correspondingly, in light of the aforesaid, whether the codification is successful depends primarily on its acceptance by global citizens as well as its form of implementation by the government. With reference to the past, from my field of view, it appears that all global citizens, regardless of our cultural differences, we have a culture. It is for such reasons that codifying becomes a language which can vary from case to case. However, this depends primarily on the stage of standardization that might have already occurred naturally. Therefore, it typically means that to develop a writing system sets up normative rules for grammar, orthography, pronunciation, and usage of vocabulary, as well as published grammar books, dictionaries, and similar guidelines. In case where several variants exist for a specific aspect, for example, different ways of spelling a word, decisions on which variant is going to be the standard one have to be made. It is very plausible that this way of life, although verbalized, takes us along the path that corroborates this narrative. Culture, is it codified? Finally, we must be cognizant of these facts, that there are four factors to take into account when trying to understand these codes. The first and most obvious is the difference in mother tongue languages and where the link language, often English, may vary in meaning and usage. Where translation is involved, directly or indirectly, precise meaning is sometimes at risk if not lost. Secondly, those meanings often have deep cultural assumptions that take time and much interaction to finally comprehend. Thirdly, the disciplines within which we work have their own professional vernacular, frequently coded for shorthand exchange. This presents a double task for transactions in collaborative ventures. Understanding meanings is a different language and culture as well as understanding the professional meanings in a particular field of study. The problem is intensified where the discipline or field is new or relatively new to a particular culture. In this situation, some concepts do not exist and words often do not translate directly, which requires the creation of new words or phrases to convey exact meaning. There is the context of use. Over many years, particular messages, intellectual, political, and emotional, become encoded and embedded through social and professional interchange in the particular culture. Further to this conversation, this abstract theoretical question certainly set the tone and tenor 
throughout my philosophical lens. In all probability, this conversation is verbalized in context and viewed through a theoretical philosophical lens that global citizens are repositories, conduits of codification who collect and restate culture.